In a cynical world where the motives of business and politicians are regularly called into question, is it possible to lead and live for all the right reasons? Learn 12 timeless principles for living a life of harmony with USANA CEO Kevin Guest on this special episode of Therefore What? Therefore What? is a weekly podcast that breaks down the news while breaking down barriers, challenges you in the status quo, explores timely topics and timeless principles, and leaves you confident to face what's next. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News, and this is Therefore What? Well, I am very excited to have joined us here on Therefore What? today. Kevin Guest, he is the CEO of USANA Health Sciences, a global health and nutritional supplement company based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. And uh, more than that, Kevin is a, uh, a rock star's rock star. <laughs> He's been a, a, a full-on roadie. Uh, he is an author. But most of all, he is a leader who lives and teaches principles by the way he leads. And so, uh, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Boyd. I really appreciate you having me on. I want to talk a little bit about your book. And before we get into the book, because the the very title of it, All the Right Reasons, 12 Timeless Principles for Living a Life of Harmony, you actually are doing that with the book itself in terms of the the proceeds of this book. Tell us about that before we dive into the principles. That's correct. 100% of the proceeds for the book are being donated to the USANA Foundation, which helps feed hungry children around the world. We set a goal of one million meals for children, and we've far we surpassed that goal, and now we're approaching two million. Wow! And so uh, it's all sales are all through Amazon, Amazon.com. You can uh, search Kevin Guest and find it. But all of the proceeds are going to feed hungry children. I love that, and that's uh, that's all the right reasons right there. That's all you need to know. So just go pick up the book and uh, dive into it because the principles are are principles that you have lived and and applied in so many different places and spaces. Uh, but I, I want to start. Obviously, a lot of people are kind of in that weary space. They're they're a little tired. They're a little exhausted from the whole pandemic thing. A lot of people are are questioning a lot of things, and I, I think that's why the principles you share are so timely while being timeless. Uh, so I want to talk about the pandemic first and what you've learned and what principles you hope people will apply to move forward in a positive way through the the pandemic. Well, uh, we're seeing in the news and in the media that uh, depression is an all-time high, that anxiety and issues of people feeling uh, insecure and, and not safe is at an all-time high. And so now more than ever, we need to stop kind of Take the example we get when we fly in an airplane where the oxygen mask pops down and they say, put your own mask on first before yes. you try and help somebody else. Same is true in this pandemic. We need to help ourselves first and make sure that we have good mental health and we're very stable uh, before we try and help others. And so the first thing I've learned, I'm doing this myself, is practicing self-care. Mm. Uh, I, I try and meditate every morning uh, and night. I'm reading books. I am taking time to get into nature. Uh, most importantly, I'm taking time to be with my family and to really reprioritize what is most important in my life uh, as I'm spending these precious days. And it's helping ground me so that I'm living more in the now and present versus worried about what could or might happen in the future. So my tip during the pandemic for everyone is to think about putting your own oxygen mask on first, taking care of yourself 
so that then you can help take care of others. Self-care is is a primary, primary goal. Uh, so it's so important, and I, I love the way you frame that in terms of, of being present. Uh, and whether you're doing that through meditation or prayer or study, uh, we talk a lot about this idea. So many are buying into this idea of the new normal, uh, which sort of means we, we're not going back to the past, so that creates stress. And then we're also projecting that this is the way it's always going to be. Uh, and so we like to talk about it in terms of the, the new now and just yeah. being present. And to me, that's where self-care begins because you can't self-care in the past or in the future, yeah, you can only do it today. What are some other things that you found to be especially helpful uh, as part of that self-care principle? Something for me that's been extremely grounding and helping me live in the now is journaling and just writing things down. That's actually where the book came from was I had through the years written down various experiences. And I remember uh, when I had my first grandchild and I was holding this little baby and somebody said to me, it will only take two, two generations to come and go. If you haven't written your things about your life down, it'll be as though you never lived on the earth. Uh. And so I'm looking at this grandchild and thinking about the experiences I had in my life. And that was the, the beginning of the, what turned into this book uh, was just writing things down and things that are important to me and learning experiences, both good and bad, because none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. The important thing is that we learn from the mistakes and don't repeat them. And so I share some, some very challenging times in my life also in the book. Uh, and and it, again, it helps you be more present, live in the now, and uh, just to ground yourself yeah. is so important. Oh, I, and I, I want to drill down on that just a little bit. That that grounding matters. And, and you said something that, that I think is such a big part of what you've written and that is you do have this courageous vulnerability, this willingness, and I think it's also a leadership principle, that you have that willingness to say, hey, I don't have all the answers, or I've made that mistake before, or I'm trying to figure this out myself. I think that courageous vulnerability is both a part of self-care because it reduces a lot of the stress, but it also makes you a more authentic and I think more powerful leader. Well, I agree, and it's also um very self-medicating, so to speak, to speak your truth mm-hmm. and to be able to say things that are real versus this facade yeah. that we put up. And so when you just get things out and you're actually real and you talk to people, it's like for me, I struggle with anxiety to the point where I felt like I was having some panic attacks along the way. Well, when I say that on stage or on TV in front of thousands of people and they sit there and think, wow, this guy struggles with that. Yeah. Well, I do too. And then I talk about, you know what, I've been to therapy. I've got professional help. They go, wow. I've had many people come up and say, I am so glad you said that. Um, I've been so embarrassed. Yeah. And I think from a mental illness perspective, we have to get out of the stigma that the struggles we have mentally are some kind of a bad thing. It's no different than having cancer. You go to a doctor if you had cancer. If you're having a mental struggle or illness, you should go to a professional so that you can learn skills and have tools so that when these incidents come up, you can effectively deal with them. Yeah, uh, I love that. And I think it's so we, we've been talking a lot uh, this last little bit about uh, one of my favorite parts of Japanese art and culture. And that's this idea of the, the kintsugi, the uh, oh, these yeah. broken vessels that are then repaired with the with the resin and the gold dust. And they become stronger in their broken places and they become these precious scars. Uh, and that applies to individuals. It applies to families. 
Every family goes through big challenges, no matter what else is going on or how perfect it looks from the curb. Uh, and then we also see it from organizations and even countries uh, that we are, we're all broken in a lot of different ways, but uh, those scars can be precious if we have that courageous vulnerability. And uh, as you said, if we're willing to share that uh, with everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, an example that I share in the book is I'm standing on, I'm a musician, as you said in the introduction, and I'm standing on the stage at the Grand Ole Opry and all of a sudden start having all this negative self-talk. Uh. And before, before I'm ready to go out on stage, which is a national broadcast, one of the most famous stages in music in the world, <laughs> Right. I, I, I'm, I'm starting to breathe <laughs> fast, my heart is starting to pound, I, my mouth is dry. And so what I did was I clicked right into an exercise that I had learned to bring me present, to bring me in the now. Mm. And literally, while I was standing ready to go out on stage at the Grand Ole Opry, I was running that exercise. And by the time I walked out on stage, I was able to do the performance, to, to have a, a good experience. Uh, but it's kind of like life. Most people only see the stage performance. Mm-hmm. They never see the standing behind the stage <laughs> and having the freak-out moment. <laughs> right. And they look, at, they look at you up there playing, and they go, wow, you're so good. You look like you're having so much fun. You're so talented. But reality, there is a lot more to the story. And I think that's very similar to our lives. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a, that is such a great example and such an important principle for all of us, regardless of what stage of life you are or where you are today in your world or stress level or anxiety, uh, there, there is a path forward. Uh, Kevin, I want to shift gears a little bit now. I want to get a little deeper into this idea of leadership because one of the things that you talk about uh, regularly and you've included, I love these principles in the book, uh, talking about being a courageous, decisive leader, because a lot of people have the title of leader. Most don't recognize that uh, someone becomes a leader not for the good time, but for the hard time, the bad time, the challenging time. And that takes courage, and that takes being able to be decisive. Yeah, that's so true. I, I've, I often joke with other executives uh, when we're in the middle of a crisis or something's happening. I said, well, this is what they're paying us for. And, <laughs> and you know, that's really why we're hired and we're there is to be able to be decisive when it matters the most. And I think the number one thing when it comes to that from a leadership perspective is to know what your core values are. Mm. What makes you you? What is your true north? And what is something that you're willing to never compromise? And as long as you know what your core values are, that is 90% of the battle, in my opinion, from a leadership perspective and being able to be decisive. An example that happened uh, at USANA is we had a bunch of products that, uh, when we tested, had a very small amount of microbes from some raw materials that we had had. We could have just shipped the materials out, and nobody would have known the difference. Uh, We could have microwaved them or nuked them to kill the bacteria, which would have caused a different issue, but we're a health company. We know what our values are and what we're about, so the decision became easy to be decisive. So we trashed millions of dollars of product because our core value at USANA is health, and integrity is another core value, and so it made the decisiveness much easier because we understood what our core values were as a company and Also for us as human beings, knowing where we stand. Uh, I I love that because often what we call decisiveness, wow, that person's a decisive leader. It's not so much that it's being decisive in the moment. It's what you just described, Kevin, as being decisive on what matters most long before any challenges ever come (laughs) your way. Yeah, I was in a meeting one time and it it was 
there was an Apollo astronaut who'd been up on the um, space shuttle, and he told a story about flying F-16s, and he said he gets a radar report of the weather from where he's taking off to where he's going to land. And by the time in between, if there's a storm, right when he takes off, he turns his lights on bright, he turns his de-icers on, he does all these things, because by the time he gets in the storm, it's too late to take all those actions. And it's very similar to our lives. We have to plan way ahead of time, because when we're in the middle of the storm, most of the time it's too late to decide what our values are going to be, what kind of decisions we're going to make, because we're in a very emotional, high-pressure situation Uh, it's just not the time to be making those kinds of decisions. So you're exactly right. Uh, It's a long-term proposition. I love love that. It's it's the old adage that when the moment of decision comes, the moment of preparation is already passed (laughs) by by a long shot. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's right. (laughs) Hey, I want to shift into uh, another area that I think is so lacking in leaders today, uh, another one of your core principles, and that is to just communicate constantly. In most organizations, uh, people under- Leaders under-communicate by a factor of 10. In some organizations, it's more like a factor of 20 or 30. But why is that so important in terms of leadership? Well, I think um, that, uh, and again, as I stated in the book, that nothing is more important than relationships. And regardless of the level of people in an organization or people you don't know or or the amount of impact they have on your life, uh, I, I heard it said that you could truly tell the character of a person by how they treat someone who can do nothing for them. Oh, yeah. And, and, and so part of that is communication and valuing the relationship that you have with people and truly having that in, in, as part of who you are. And so for me, uh, I named this the Dorothy Principle in the book, where a professor came into a classroom and said, we're having a pop quiz, and asked on the quiz, what's the name of the person who cleans our room every day? Mm. nobody got the answer right. And he said the na- her name is Dorothy. And he said, this is the lesson I want you to learn, that you're, in life you're going to come across people who you need to know, who you need to connect with, who you need to understand that they're important and they have something that they can offer you and you might not even know it. And so that whole connection and value and realizing that nothing is more important than relationships. And then the next step is prioritizing what those relationships are. One, God. If that's for me, that's my number one relationship mm-hmm. and making sure that that's most important in my life Two, my family. And then three, the people that I work with. And, and it goes beyond that. But if you're if you truly believe in communication, it will just become a part of your daily interaction. Even when you're pumping gas and somebody walks by, you could just say hi and give them a smile. Yeah. Maybe you've just changed their day. Love that. Absolutely love that. We need uh, a hefty dose of that. It was it was always interesting to me. I, I saw this as a chief of staff in Washington D.C. That you know some some people just wanted to to walk in the room with the the senator or the member of Congress and you know have that cool moment. Uh, and then there were others who you know who knew every one of the security guards. They knew every one of the staff in the senator's dining room. They knew everyone on the floor that uh, you know opened doors and gave tours and all of those things and. Uh, it's just such a, a different mentality, and uh, I, I love that Dorothy principle. Uh, I, I think that's so important. Uh, I, I want to yeah. get, get for a minute to, I mean, you are the CEO of a billion-dollar health and nutritional supplement company. Uh, there are not that many billion-dollar companies in the world, and very not only do only very few break through that glass ceiling of a billion dollars, even fewer stay uh, above a billion. 
Uh, and so you've got entrepreneurs you're working with around the world. Uh, you've traveled. You've seen that. Uh, and you understand the entrepreneurial spirit like very few people I've ever met. Uh, and so I wanted to ask you, Kevin, what what have you learned? What has surprised you uh, about these people, these entrepreneurs that have helped you build this incredible legacy uh, at USANA? Speaking for myself, what I'm witnessing are people who are willing to take a risk. In many ways, it's not an uncalculated risk, but they're willing to put themselves out there and do something that most people aren't willing to do, which is to step outside of their comfort zone and uh, to do something that they truly believe in. And so at USANA, from an entrepreneurial perspective, for us, our job as the home office, the, the world headquarters, our job is to make sure, one, that we create the best products in the world so that they have confidence in what they're selling. And number two is to never embarrass them. And if they have that trust in us, it's really a partnership between the entrepreneur and the home office, the global organization. And it's, if we lose that trust, uh, we've lost everything. And so we can never do anything to breach that trust. And so as I've been an entrepreneur myself and, and, and started my own companies and had successes and failures, um, it all comes down to being able to take a calculated risk, being able to live through the disappointments. And one thing that separates a highly successful entrepreneur from someone who's not there yet is a highly successful person has been told no more times <laughs> than the person who hasn't. And a no is just a maybe or on to a yes. And you're one step closer to success the more and more people tell you no. And if you truly believe that, you can move forward because running your own business and being an entrepreneur is a lot of no's and keeping that positive attitude because, you know, boy, he's told me no. I really appreciate that because I'm one step closer to someone telling me yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. You said You said two important things I want to go back to. Uh, so one, you talked about that trust and that ability for that really creating space as a leader. Uh, one leader that I admire, she said, I always want to make sure that everyone who works for me knows that the safest place in the world to fail is in my office. Wow. And I thought, man, that's how you, that's how you build trust. Uh, and then the other thing you said, Kevin, and I want you to, to go down a little bit on this one, uh, and that is that you really have created this environment where you, you are supporting, you are training, you have that trust built. A friend of mine uh, said that he was flying back one day with a, a very well-known Harvard professor, and uh, he asked him, he said, so what's it like to work for Harvard? And uh, the guy responded, didn't, in no hesitation, says, oh, no, Harvard works for me. And that was the feeling. He felt that every day he showed up, Harvard was helping him get his message out, his principles, his teaching. So it wasn't him working for Harvard. Harvard was working for him. Uh, and that's changed the way I think about leadership. It's like, oh, anyone who works for me, they better feel like I'm working for them, not the other way around. Yeah, I just finished a book regarding about mindset. Mm -hmm. And the whole notion is having a growth mindset versus a closed mindset. And the example you just quoted about Harvard, that person obviously had a growth mindset. They were very open and looking for and pursuing opportunities versus a closed mindset, meaning this is my job description and this is what I'm doing and I'm going to collect a paycheck. And I think entrepreneurs, from a leadership perspective, have to have a growth mindset versus a closed mindset. Yeah, love that. So good. Therefore what? 
Uh, well, we're we're to that point, Kevin. I talked to you all day, and uh, <laughs> I think people would listen along because uh, it's just fascinating to see these uh, not just talked about in terms of being a principal, but uh, of course the the real test is how you apply them. Uh, and you do such a beautiful job of just lacing that in so people can say, oh, I, I can do that, and I can see how that works. And, and so we're to this part of the program that, that is the, the punch. It's the therefore what moment. People have been listening to us for about 20 minutes now. What do you hope they think different? What do you hope they do different as a result of uh, listening to this today? It's the very word you used in the question, which is hope. Mm. Uh, I, I hope that people some way somehow connect to one of the things we talked about here, and it brings them an added measure of hope in their lives. Especially living here in the United States, we're surrounded by so many negative messages, but but there is so much hope and so much good. And I'm a believer that never in the history of mankind has there been so much good on the earth. And so what I would hope they would take away from this discussion, that therefore what is, wow, he did that, or I he talked about that, I can do that, or yeah. I I I don't see myself here, but if I apply this principle, I could be there. And so it brings an added measure of hope. Love that. So good. Kevin Guest, CEO of USANA. Uh, The book is All the Right Reasons, 12 Timeless Principles for Living a Life in Harmony. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Boyd. Have a great day. Remember, after the story is told, after the principle is presented, after the discussion and debate have been had, the question for all of us is, therefore what? Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening today. And be sure to rate this episode and leave us a review. Follow us on DeseretNews.com slash TW and subscribe to our newsletter. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News. Thanks for engaging with us on Therefore What?